Good morning, Oikos. He is risen. He is risen. Awesome. That was a good job, guys. Doesn't it feel cool outside? Don't y'all like that? It feels like it's winter. It's kind of weird. I think it's colder today than it was at any point over the winter. But, uh, but anyways, good morning. And uh, today we're going to kick off our new series. And we're going we're gonna to be in 1 Corinthians. And it's, uh, our series is called Set Apart. And so this is kind of talking about how God has called us to be set apart and to be different. And uh, we're going to be doing this for the next couple, four weeks, five weeks, something like that. And we're going to just kind of dig into what uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthians about and talk about what Paul is addressing in the book of Corinthians. And so we're going to jump in today. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 1. So you're, feel free to um, open it up in your Bible app, your Bible, or look on the screen to, to jump in. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. I am writing to God, the church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Jesus Christ, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So a little background on, uh, on the city of Corinth is Paul was writing this letter when he was uh, working at the church in Ephesus. So Paul is hearing about what's going on in the church of Corinth, and he's sending this letter to encourage them um, and to also remind them what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, and so as he's writing this letter, Corinth was a church that had kind of strayed a little bit. I mean, Paul was addressing some hard things. And so he had gotten an unfavorable report from some of his disciples, Paul's disciples. And so he was writing a letter addressing that. And uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten a letter or something from a, a boss, maybe an unfavorable report from maybe Pastor Aaron. They're not fun. <laughs> I've gotten a couple of those. But uh, so Paul, in this letter and in this, in this intro, is he's really making sure he defines what church is, that he's really kind of reminding them and defining and digging in and reminding them what, how we define church, and that's based off Jesus Christ. And so one of the first ways that we are set apart, that we are different from the world, is that God has called us. We are set apart because God has called us to be with him. All right, that's all I got today. Just kidding. We are different because God has called us. And this describes the unique relationship that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has with his children. And so this relationship started back in creation, back in the Garden of Eden when God was walking with his kids, when he was walking with us, and we were together with him. And then sin happened. And then we, our relationship changes. But it's still, Paul's reminding them, it's still based off Jesus. Why? Because when we declared our independence in the Garden of Eden, God came and sought us. He called us by name and said, Adam, Eve, why are you hiding? Why, where, why are you trying to hide from me? 
And so this is our relationship, our unique relationship with God is, is based off of God calling to us and God seeking us and calling us to be his child. And so we are set apart because God wants us. I mean, do you believe that, that God wants you? I know some days I feel like that. I feel like, yeah, I'm really close to God today. And other days I'm like, why would God want me? I'm dirty. I messed up. So being called by God is both a beautiful invitation, but also comes with a huge challenge to live up to the the expectation that God has for us. And that's pretty big. Because when God the Father calls you, it's, it's a call to give up a lot of things. It's a call to forget a lot that we think is important. And so as Paul's addressing the church in Corinth, he's reminding them, no more sexual immorality, no more arguing with each other, no more suing each other, <laughs> no more saying that we're following so-and-so instead of so-and-so instead of Jesus, no more lying. I know that never, none of that stuff happens at Oikos, so I think we're good. But Paul's addressing these things head on. And so we'll pick up at, at verse four. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Jesus Christ. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll keep you strong to the end that you will be free from all blame on the day when the when Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into a partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul is inviting us to recognize, like he is inviting the church in Corinth, to recognize that everything comes from the Lord. He starts with thanksgiving. Everything comes from the Lord. For us, that means that our shoes come from the Lord. For us, that means our jobs come from the Lord, our marriages, our clothes, our church, our music, this building, this place, the people around you, that is coming from the Lord. And so being a part of God and being set apart by God is accepting the invitation to follow Jesus in all areas of your life. So what Paul was doing in this is the church in Corinth was, was at battle with each other. I mean, some of the congregation members wanted to oust people because they, they didn't agree with each other. And so as the church in Corinth is at battle, Paul's inviting them to say, I'm going to give up everything and I'm going to accept an invitation to follow Jesus. And I'm going to give that, take that invitation because God's called me. So when we hear the words of the Lord, when we, when we hear God speak to us, whether it's through scripture, through leaders, through worship, through the people, through morning devo, through that kind of stuff, when we hear the words of the Lord, it's an invitation to come to him. And I'll be honest, this week, 
it was kind of tough for me um, to, to accept that invitation. Um, so I, I think I've told you all about my morning routine when, when I read scripture, I kind of do this little thing um, where I wake up and I read and then I uh, take some time to, to think about it in the shower. <laughs> well, that quickly turned into this week. I mean, I'll be honest, I read maybe three times by myself this week. <laughs> that shower does not equate reading, Ken. I took multiple showers this week, more than three. So, focus. So being set apart is accepting an invitation to follow Jesus in all areas of your life. Not just in your shower life, not just in your morning Devo life, but in relationships. So when your, your spouse or your loved one makes you really upset, Accepting an invitation looks like leaving that behind and focusing on the relationship. That's a hard one. Coworkers, good example. Same thing, when a coworker does something absolutely stupid and you're like, you're faced with the consequences and the burden of that, and you're like, it's kind of awkward because you know that they know that they messed up, but they're not willing to tell you, and so you're kind of at this tension where you think that they should just admit it because they're stupid. But God's inviting us to think of them not as that, but to accept an invitation to say, I see you as Christ sees you. And so same thing with, with our kids. When our kids are getting this absolutely upset, and you're at your wit's end, Christ is inviting you to follow him in that area. And Paul's also reminding them in this letter that Christ is going to give them, the church in Corinth, the strength to deal with these issues, the strength to walk through these tough, tough times, these things that they're facing that might be extremely difficult. These a lot of things that it's hard for them to give up. They, that Christ is going to give them the strength, just as He gives you the strength to deal with those issues. And so Christ is inviting us to recognize that the church is based on him. The church is based off of him, and he's calling us into that church to be with these people, and that he's going to give us the strength to maintain that and to pursue that, that we don't have to look inwardly and rely on what we've done to prove ourselves that we are strong enough. But he's inviting us in to take a taste of the celebration we did last week, of his death and resurrection. And that's where we look to for our strength when we can't deal with these sins in our lives, when we don't know how to deal with them. And that he will give us the strength to accept that invitation. So when you're facing down the struggle of finances, when you're facing down the struggle of not having a job, when you're facing down the approval of other people, when you're facing down how you're going to get through life with the death of a loved one, when you're facing down the struggle of, of what do I do in this time that my spouse is retiring and I don't, I don't think we're going to have enough money to get through, 
when we're staring down these things, Lord is going to give us strength. It says in here, to accept his invitation to follow him in all areas of life. There's nothing too great for him. There's nothing too powerful for him that's going to keep him from his will. And he's inviting us to give us a little bit of that strength. And he's doing that today. He's doing that tomorrow, the next day, the next day after that, 10 years after that. He says, I will give you the strength to follow me. And he promises that he is going to do it. So we're going to jump in and skip ahead to verse 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish for the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So when you hear the message of the cross, where does that leave you? We heard it last week. So where does that message of the cross leave you today? Are you like the, the human philosophers, the debaters? Are you like the Jews that are the, I've been a Christian my entire life. Yay, I've been a Lutheran my entire life. Yay. That's all your smile, Dana. So where does the message of the cross leave you? Sometimes when we hear the message of God, when we hear his words, uh, we, we try to insert a little wisdom in there ourselves. <laughs> that when we hear a message, uh, we say, well, hmm, maybe I'll take that and I'll, I'll just add a little bit to it because I think I know a lot. I think I know a little more. I know at least I do. I, y'all probably aren't like me, or you know, y'all just hear a message of God and go for it, right? So when we hear the message of God, I think we insert our wisdom far too often. And we, we say our wisdom is, is uh, maybe when we touch a stovetop and it's on and it burns us, and we say, okay, my wisdom tells me I'm not going to do that again. But some of y'all don't have that wisdom. Um, but sometimes our wisdom tells us that this is the way it's going to be in the future. But our wisdom tells us that through my life experience, I know more, so I'm not going to repeat that action. And maybe it's, it's you learn from a mistake of somebody else. Maybe you see their mistake in life, and you say, I'm, I'm, not, going to, I'm not going to do that. But that, gain, that gives us wisdom. But the message of the cross 
as it says, is foolish for people. Because we look at it and say, the creator of the universe sent his son down and he died. He was supposed to be king, but he died and rose again. So where does that leave us now? We can't reason that. And, but sometimes we, we like to add to that message. Saying, well, God died, yeah. He rose again, yeah, but, but I just need to be a better person. I need to read more scripture. That'll help me be, be smarter and that'll help me follow Jesus better. Right? Or we say, um, I'm just going to work really hard and prove myself so that I can, can say I added a little bit to my salvation. But what is foolish for people that don't believe that message, what is foolish for the Jews and the Gentiles, and what's foolish for us, especially me, is to think that we actually can add something to our salvation. And we can actually add something to the message of the cross. But Paul's inviting us to say that our wisdom isn't found there. That we can't add something to that. But the invitation from the cross is to believe in a message, believe in something that is greater than our own understanding. And so being set apart is believing that we can't add anything to that message. Because if we look at it, there's nothing good in us apart from Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm a pretty dirty person. I'm really bad. Not just because I don't shower every day. But the message of the cross should leave us both broken and crushed, but also forgiven and saved. And we can't, with our own minds, ever make sense of that. But the message of the cross is inviting us to to believe out of faith. And that's what the, the wise people would say is foolish. That you believe in something you can't see. You believe in something that died, a king that was supposed to reign forever, but got put to death. You believe in that stuff? So um, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. So Rachel's dad lives in D.C., Washington, D.C., and, and we went and visited a, about a month ago, and, and he's, not a, he's not a believer. And so we had a conversation. Faith is pretty important to Rachel and I. We had a conversation about, about uh, faith and why does God do what he does and all the, the stuff, the fun stuff that goes into that. And, and Kevin... He, uh, he was making fun of Rachel and I because he says Jesus is the same as Father Christmas and the same as a tooth fairy. And, you know, it's kind of, he jokes, he pokes fun at it and stuff. But what he sees as foolish would be Jesus. At one point, he even admitted that Rachel didn't believe in stars until the age 10. And I think if we look at our lives, that we sometimes put that on ourselves too. That we say, we can't, we can't really make sense of all this Jesus stuff, so I'm not going to really follow him in this area of my life. 
because it's too hard. It's too hard to make that jump to fully believe the message of the cross in this area. I'll believe it in the stuff that I can, can make sense of. I'll believe it in the stuff where I've seen him work. But not, it's not the, the area that's really cold and the area that's really dark. That secret place within my heart that no one knows. I'm not going to let Jesus there. I'll let him into the stuff that I want him to handle, but I don't believe enough to let him hear. And I think the message of the cross is to invite us into that death and resurrection in every area of our life. To believe in every area of our life. So the, the Friday, or the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter, uh, Rachel and I went out to Katy for the memorial service of a, of a friend of mine that had passed away from high school. And Miles was a, a friend I grew up with. I knew him mostly in high school and a little bit after high school. But, but after, after we graduated, he, he fell into addiction and he fell into nasty drugs. And the time I knew Miles, uh, we had some talks about, about Jesus and we had some talks about life after death. He was a very inquisitive guy. He knew a ton of useless knowledge, but it was fun knowledge. And, and so we went to this memorial service uh, for Miles, and, and while we were there, uh, we, we talked a lot about how good of a person Miles was and how much Miles loved us, and, and there was a lot of true stuff. There was a lot of, lot of stuff that was true. But as, I, as we left um, in that that Saturday between Good Friday and Easter, it's a pretty silent time. Our, we just remembered and we just worshiped um, Jesus that died on Good Friday. And we're, that Saturday, we're waiting for the good news of his resurrection. But as we were in that memorial service, I was just thinking of the disciples at the time of Good Friday, that their Savior had just died. Everything they knew had been shaken up. And so they were, Saturday, they're sitting around gathering and probably remembering all the good times they had with Jesus, all the times that they had some fun. Jesus provided wine for the party. Jesus uh, made fun of this person here, called out this guy's sin, healed this person over here. And maybe they were talking a little bit about that stuff. And they were anticipating the, the waiting, maybe some of them, Maybe they didn't have faith, but they were anticipating what was coming next. And for them, they probably, there's a big question mark of what's next, what's going to happen next. And that's how I kind of felt at this memorial service where there was no mention of Jesus' resurrection. And as we are there, there's this big loss because the family couldn't make sense of what was going to happen with Miles. They couldn't make sense. They were trying to explain it. They were trying to explain their heart was just, their world was just ripped apart. And they were trying to figure out how to deal with their future. But we believe in a God that has provided that future. That's beyond our understanding, beyond what we know. And into a message of a cross that 
is just beautiful. That what we know is just this much. It's finite. But we believe in a God that's massive. And so the invitation that Paul's giving the the church of Corinth is to believe in something that's so much bigger than what they understand. And to forget all the crap that they have going on with each other. To forget their quarrels, forget the, the, what they want to sue each other with, to forget who they're following, whether it's Paul or Silas, Timothy, to forget those things and remember that God's inviting them and God's giving them a message. Jesus is giving them a message that starts with faith. And so for us today is, is my encouragement is to, to look at the areas that you're struggling believing fully in God and accept his invitation to, to cling to him and his cross. So we'll, uh, we'll jump to chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, and we'll read there. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use my lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very, very plain, like mine. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So we celebrated Easter last week. Celebrated that last week. But sometimes we forget Jesus and remember everything else. Are you you like me? Do you all do the same? We forget Jesus, but remember all of our other responsibilities. So finances, I can remember that I need to pay my bills, but I'm going to forget to to sacrifice for Jesus with my finances. Or I can remember my to-do list, I can remember all the responsibilities I have, but I'm going to forget what I just celebrated last week with Easter. I mean, how many of y'all are like me and only thought about Easter a couple times this week? How many of y'all celebrated Easter every day this week? I'm kidding. I didn't. We remember the things we have to get done, and we remember the things that we think are important. But part of being set apart is remembering that the Lord has done for us what we could not do, and remembering what he did for us on Easter. And that that death and resurrection is something that happens every day for us. So as he's inviting us into the cross, he's inviting us to die with him. But to be raised to new life every day. Every single day. And that that message is something that is not easily remembered. But Paul says in and encouraging the church of Corinth that I decided to forget everything and remember just Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. Because at that moment, 
all of our sins are atoned for. And at that moment, we cease to understand things of this world. We seek to understand what God has for us. So we'll close with this. And it's a beautiful encouragement uh, that Paul closes this chapter with, but he is encouraging the church in Corinth to, uh, to think of God. Yet when I was among mature believers, I do, not, I do speak with the words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before this world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Holy Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. If you think of the most peaceful thing in your entire life, if you think of, if you describe peace, for me, that's sitting with Rachel probably on a beach in Hawaii, drinking a Corona, sitting on the beach with the waves coming in. For me, that's the most peaceful thing on the earth. But what God's painting a picture for us is that no eye has seen no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him. That you, on your own understanding, cannot imagine what the Lord has for you. That, if, that under the smartest person in the entire world cannot imagine what the Lord has in store for you. And so as the Lord is setting us apart, He's calling us to be part of his family. He's made a way for us to be part of his family. And he's given us a future that is beyond any of your own understanding. And so he's inviting you to release those things that are strongholds in your heart, that are keeping you from fully believing. And he's calling you to release what you think is wise and hold fast to what he thinks is wise. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the wonders that the Lord has in store for those who love him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for um, each and every one of these individuals here. I thank you for this community. I thank you for this place to worship and gather. And I thank you that you're a God that invites us to start everything new with you. And that you don't remember the mess-ups that we had yesterday. You don't remember the mess-ups that we have this morning. But you're inviting us to, to be a part of your death and resurrection. 
And that's wonderful. And our hearts and our minds and our souls cannot imagine what you have for us after that, Lord. But we know and we cling and hold fast to your relationship. And so as we depart today, remind us of who we are as children of you and remind us of how powerful you are as our God. And may your peace be upon our hearts today. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.